Hello out there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. We had a very early podcast for those of you that are potentially watching live, uh, even earlier for me out here in Mountain Time, 630. <laughs> um, so uh, apologies if you can't see me super well. I'm usually using the light from this window right out, right in front of me, but there is no light coming out of the window right now. Um as always, we start off talking a little bit about recruiting, um, and as always, or at least this time of year, I'm going to direct you back to my weekly recruiting wrap-up for uh, some in-depth coverage of that. But um, just a quick heads up that last week, uh, Shane Beamer tweeted to Welcome Homes, um, and um let's see what's the best way for me to say this without giving anything away um maybe go to like dante reno's twitter after that in which he tweeted a series of several pancake emojis um (laughs) in order to um have a clue on who those two guys might be or you go to rivals.com check out future cast um check out the weekly recruiting wrap-up and you could probably figure it out for yourself that way too. Um, we'll talk more about recruiting. There's some some other visitors in town this weekend. There's some uh, visitors that have been in town throughout these spring practices. Um, some pretty big names in the 2024 class. So it's going to be pretty interesting how everything shakes out. I think one of the welcome moments is at least one more four-star on Rivals and then another, uh, probably a three-star right now. But still, I mean, you're, you're starting off that class crazy strong. You're, I think, sitting at number eight nationally right now. And these two guys should keep you right around there, maybe even bump you up a little bit. So, um, Also, spring practice is going on. And we were just talking before we got on here that uh, you guys got to watch some of the live period yesterday. And usually that's just like stretching uh, across the field from where you're allowed to stand and you don't get a whole lot from it. But you were saying that you felt like you got a little bit uh, more insight into what was going on yesterday. Yeah. So I would encourage you to subscribe to Gamecock Scoop and look at the practice report I wrote yesterday. But they, in one of the open periods we had yesterday, they did a, I guess I'll call it a third down competition. It was like a best of three series. They did a third and four with first team offense against first team defense, a third and seven with first team or second team offense against second team defense, and then a third and five with um, first teamers back against each other on the field. So that was interesting. You could see, or at least as well as we could from our vantage point, who was running with what groups, and you guys actually watched three plays of football, which is not normal for these practices. Yeah, um, I know something that uh, one of another one of our writers, Perry McCarty pointed out was that Eddie Lewis looked pretty quick. Um, I know that he, he did have a catch in, on one of those plays. Yep. Yeah. And on one of those, it was a third and seven. Um, what are we seeing at offensive line? So we kind of gave you guys the breakdown last week of what we saw in the first open period. Um, anything kind of shake up on that? Yep. You do have a bit of a change. Uh, last week you had Ja'Kai Moore at left guard. This week you have um, Nick Gargiulio at left guard. Um, other than that, the four we gave you last week, that would be Nichols at left tackle, Vershawn Lee at center, uh, Trey Jones at right guard, and Tyshawn Wanamaker at right tackle. That stayed the same. But you do have a left guard change this week, um, at least for those two plays we saw with the ones. And then it seemed like uh, the wide receiver group was pretty much the same. Wells, Brown, Leggett. Um, and then last week we said we saw Trey Knox split out. This week we saw Joshua Simon split out. So it seems like they're using a combination of those three guys and then 
uh, their athletic tight ends, which yeah. they... Alex Smith was the tight end with the twos. So they're, they're getting all the tight ends some reps right now, or at least trying to, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and I mean, fully expecting all of those guys to contribute. Um, they all bring mismatches, um, I think. And um, really, I think at this point, that is a microcosm of how I feel about this team at this point, <laughs> as far as the roster is made up. I feel pretty good on offense. Like I feel like they probably are going to create some problems for defenses not named Georgia on the schedule. Um, and they may need to, uh, because I think that they're still going to struggle containing the edge in the run game. Although um, you guys got to speak to Terrell Dawkins yesterday, and it sounds like he's doing a little bit better health-wise than he has been um, since he arrived, if, which would make a huge difference at that position. Um, and then you just have, other than Mokabe, you have a lot of youth at linebacker, um, talented youth, but youth. So I, I do think they're going to struggle at times um, containing the edge. Um, it's a pretty big issue last year. Yeah, exactly. So they may need to outscore folks is, I guess, my initial feel at the moment. But I also feel like they might have the ability to outscore some folks. So I still think you feel pretty good about your secondary right now. Um, I know you're losing two NFL corners, but I think you feel pretty good about Marcellus Dial, O'Donnell Fortune, DQ Smith, Big Eamon Worry, that kind of foursome, I guess, quartet, you call it. Um, and we haven't seen him in practice because he's still recovered, but you're, you should have a healthy David Spaulding and Nickel. Um, and I think that changes a lot, too, that not a lot of people are talking about right now because he's not out there. But I think that helps, too, with your secondary. It's really, yeah, it's really that front seven, I guess, six and a four, two, five, but kind of where you're looking at with that. And as we've talked about a lot, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, the edge position. Yeah. Well, and another couple of notes just on names that you guys should familiar, familiarize yourself with if you don't keep up with recruiting super closely. Um, we've heard Desmond Umiozulu, of course, at that edge position already looks the part, but also, you know, he's going to, he's a little, he's going to be a little bit undersized as a freshman uh, for holding down the edge in the run game or whatever. I think he's going to be very useful uh, in passing situations. Um, and then Jalen Kilgore is a name that we heard uh, was working in with the second team at corner or not heard you saw. Yeah, he was there. He was playing second team corner. Yeah. Um, so that's um, a freshman that uh, kind of came in, didn't know if we was going to slot in at corner or safety because pretty much all of the guys that they recruited last cycle, um, they want to be able to play multiple positions. That's kind of how Torian Gray uh, runs his DB room. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of interesting to see him stepping up and then Pup Howard at linebacker, uh, and Jerron Willis at linebacker were both mentioned as names that are, I think Stone Blanton mentioned them as names that are kind of standing out, uh, newcomer wise in that group. Any other new names, um, on offense or defense? I mean, Trey Knox, we already mentioned. And yeah, I think we all know what you're getting with Trey Knox. I mean, obviously, there's the login familiarity, which Dowell talked about last week, and I think we did too on here. Um, I heard Omega Blake's name from a couple of the receivers this week asking about who's standing out. We saw Omega running with the twos, um, and that well, I guess we saw, we saw one play with the twos. But on that one play, he was out there. Um, Garjulio, someone everyone seems already like and is standing out and I think he's going to be a good leader for this team. We talked about his captaincy at Yale, all that. And clearly he's made some kind of impression if he's getting some first-team reps at left guard right now. Um, and then we keep hearing about Lenora Sellers. I don't know what that means for this year. Probably not a whole lot, but 
we keep hearing about everybody seems to already love him. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I think Beamer pointed out in his presser this week was what's going to happen at quarterback beyond the one and two, which is obviously Rattler and Doty. And that's something that we've been talking about too, right? We expect that there's going to be some um, people from that room that probably move on after this year, just because it's so crowded. Um, Cause you have four star uh, Colton Gauthier, four star Tanner Bailey, three-star Braden Davis who looked good in the spring last year and then yeah Lenore Sellers and then you know we got Dante Reno coming on uh here shortly after um they're still in on Jaden Bradford who's another uh four-star in the 2024 class which it's I I don't really know what's going to happen there um Bradford releases top three last month South Carolina is still in it um they seem to still be keeping contact but also in this like new age of not really sure how that the math doesn't really make sense there. Not that I, I am a big believer in get as many talented players as possible right. and figure it out later. That's kind of the Nicholas Harbor thing with this position, but there's only one quarterback on the field at any given right. point. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting, but I, I've, I keep hearing seller's name too. Um, I don't know if they'll try to get him on the field early in some sort of I'm like, I think I hope we see him in the spring game. I don't know if that's, yeah. that's just going to be three, I guess six quarterbacks, three on the Garnet team, three on the black. Oh, I expect um, we I see very little of Spencer Rattler in the spring game this year um, and get all those other guys some looks. I mean, you kind of know what you got in Rattler at this point. Um, and Doty, too, for being honest about it. Yeah. He still needs reps, but you know what you have there. Totally. Um, the only other note I can think of right now, uh, from this past week, which we hit on a little bit last week is Zakarian Joyner has been working at running back. Um, they talked, uh, you guys talked a little bit more to some folks about, um, that this week, I think Justin step or maybe Beamer, uh, mentioned that he's doing a good job picking up like the blocking scheme. Yes. That was Beamer said his first two reps were perfect or textbook. I think was the word he used. Um, which kind of surprises me for his size, uh, blitz pickups. But hey, I, it's kind of one of those factor fiction things, right? Like, do we actually think the Carryon Joiners are running back in September, or is he running back now because they have two scholarship running backs on the roster? Yeah, it's tough. A traditional running back. Well, no. no. I mean, yeah, that's but, good, could, but could he play from that position as long as he can pick up? Uh, like as long as he's not a liability blocking wise and run some interesting uh, misdirection and, and packages with him there. I think, yeah. Um, I think you could get really creative uh, if you could slot him in there every now and then. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of plays that Jaheim Bell <laughs> role a little bit uh, this year where he steps in here and there, but I don't think you want to rely on him as an every down back for sure. No, and it also goes back to something else Beamer said, which is that they're just a better team when he's on the field, like one way or another. That's just when he's involved. So if that's going to be at running back, which is obviously where the opening is now, uh, if he has some injuries at receiver, okay, you know, you knock on wood, maybe that changes things. But right now, I think that's probably the best spot. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned um, his size, but I will say he's not that small. Um, and even though he he's definitely undersized for – a running back as far as his bulk goes. Um, I do think one of the characteristics of him in the open field is that he's hard to bring down um, even, you know, as a receiver, that's, yep. and that, that was his MO coming uh, into 
college too, right? He was basically the do everything uh, quarterback for his team in high school and did a lot of it with his legs. So, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I I kind of want to see it. Maybe we'll see a little bit of that in the spring game too. Um, but like we've said several times, I think that they're still going to try to target someone after the portal opens back up after spring practice as well. Yeah, I think you need at least one just depth wise, just in terms of having bodies in the room. All right, real quick before we get to women's basketball, which is obviously the biggest story uh, going on this week. Um, just a quick note on men's basketball. Chico Carter uh, went to the portal. Um, so pretty much everyone that was going to leave except for Gigi Jackson has already um, entered the portal at this point. I'm still leaning that Gigi Jackson will be heading to the NBA um, just as a quick uh, like rumor mill sort of thing. He tweeted or he retweeted something the other day that was talking about uh, him being the youngest player in the draft or whatever. So, um, I mean, I think that that's, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, as far as the transfer portal for men's, um, it, the list is definitely getting a lot longer <laughs> um, and wider scope. At this point, um, as more and more teams in their season, um, Perry McCarty did a pretty good breakdown looking at several guys on uh, GameCocksGroup.com, so you can definitely check that out. I'll mention a couple names to you. Um, center Assam Mustafa from Coastal Carolina. He's 6'9", 250 pounds. Um, he like put 23 points on South Carolina. Uh, the last time that they matched up and kind of put on a clinic of how to play that position. Um, so that would be a, a good get if you can get him, I think. And then there's um, BJ Mack from Wofford, who is really getting pursued by a lot of major names. Um, but he did put South Carolina in his top eight or top 10 or whatever it was that he he released uh, lately. Obviously, he's from Wofford. You have, if he wants to stay in the state, you have a little bit of a Leg up there. I am hearing the NIL may come into play here on that one. Um, and then, yeah, there's several other names that you guys can look at on that article. But the portal is live and well. I expect we'll start to hear some traction uh, with some more of those names as as the days go on. Hear about some visits and stuff like that. Um, but right now, we're just kind of throw, throwing all the names that make sense at the wall. Um, and a and some of them, like the two that we just mentioned, uh, have been connected to conversations with South Carolina already. Um, all right, women's, uh, you're actually, this is why we're doing this early, right? And practice back. soon, or their open media locker room. Yeah, they are in this week 16. Um, not going to spend too much time on it. Norfolk State, South Florida, business, business, a little bit of a shaky Norfolk State, and they're never going to lose, but kind of some sloppy free throws and turnovers. USF, close for a half, took over second half, depth. Uh, ended up winning that game by, I think, 31 off the top of my head. And now it's the rematch, the UCLA rematch that we've kind of hinted at for a few weeks. Um, and it's here. For those of you who don't remember, UCLA was in South in Columbia in November. It was a 73-64 to 64 South Carolina win. UCLA was the only team who had a fourth-quarter lead at South Carolina all season. Um, they were the only team who – there was another stat, too. Um, only team to play within single digits at South Carolina all year. This is a – dangerous rematch, even though I still think South Carolina should be expected to win. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your concern level about UCLA tomorrow? Um, 
seven and a half? I mean, really? You <laughs> you, is that too low or too high? No, I think that's about right. I was going to say like six. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, you saw that it's a tournament now, right? Anything can happen. You two one seeds are out. Yep. Stanford's out. Indiana's out. Yep. So Indiana got beat by number nine. Miami, uh, Stanford got beat by number eight, Ole Miss, which we we knew that Ole Miss could be problematic uh, on defense um, for teams that haven't aren't used to playing that side of a defense. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, you also have seen Duke go down. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a battle. And like you said, uh, UCLA, at least in stretches, has shown that they can compete with South Carolina. So it's really like the reason I said 7.5 is if South Carolina comes in with their B game and UCLA can put it together for a pretty long stretch of that game, then, yeah, it's it's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. If nothing else, we talk a lot about individual players in March. Um, I don't know if you watched the Kansas State men's game last night with Noel, but it how an individual could – he had 19 assists at the tournament record. They won an overtime. Anyway – Individual players can take over in March, especially guards. They're handling the ball. They can shoot. UCLA has got two really good ones. We gave South Carolina, I think, 40 combined points. Charisma Osborne and Kiki Rice in that game in November. Um, that's where it scares you for South Carolina, that backcourt play, the ability to get hot quick. Um, I think you want this to be a slower game if you're South Carolina. UCLA wants to play in transition, use those quick guards. If South Carolina can control the pace, keep it slowed down, I think they're going to be okay here. Yeah. I mean, I think the path obviously is setting up nicely for them. Um, they are, I mean, they were already the strongest number one seed and now you only have the weakest one left, which is Virginia tech. Granted, you start UConn working out there in that uh, region as well, but uh, you take care of business. You, you play the way that this team is capable of. You shouldn't have any trouble, um, at least getting to the championship and having that rematch with UConn or whoever. Um, but it's a tournament. All it takes is one off night and uh, things could go sideways as we've seen. Yeah. That's kind of the danger zone. I do. I, you are looking at some little things too. I think I said it, but keeping them out of transition is the most important thing in this game. You needed it. You need this to be a slow, not slow because this team does can't run to a slower half court game. I think you're going to see a lot of the big lineup. UCLA does not have a ton of size. Cardoso was kind of what won them that first game back in November. You can adjust schemes. You can like change strategy, but you can't change height. In three months, you know what I mean? Camilla Cardoso is still taller than everybody else on UCLA. Um, and I would expect – I think she's going to have to have a big game um, if South Carolina is going to win this game. Yeah, which, by the way, uh, if you're looking for something to check out before the game uh, or if it's been a second since you paid attention to UCLA, Alan did a really good breakdown of the first game, uh, including, you know, taking some some ang some shots of different angles of actual plays that were happening during the game and doing a little bit of a deep dive. So I'm, I am I really enjoyed uh, reading through that, especially as someone who, you know, I know some of you guys are not necessarily the biggest women's basketball fans. Maybe you don't start paying attention until this time of year. Um, so that's a really good refresher for you to check out. Yeah, should be a good game tomorrow. Uh, Two o'clock Eastern ESPN in Greenville. If you're in the upstate, come on in. Uh, I would expect that to be a home game for South Carolina. Um, they're two wins away from going back to another Final Four. 
Yeah. So, I mean, just one more quick thing on this game is your takeaway. If South Carolina can kind of slow down the pace of the game, um, cause UCLA kind of wants to get out, um, and, and run with it a little bit, can slow down the pace of the game and find a way to impose their will inside instead of settling for jump shots. They take care of business pretty much. Yeah. That, that's pretty much how I'm feeling about it. I think can get hairy, frisky, whatever you want to call it. If UCLA is able to run and South Carolina is not able to get to the rim, I think you'll see that box and one again, probably from UCLA. But if they, yeah, if they can do that, I think they'll win this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if you look up midway through the third quarter, late third quarter, it's a four point game or something. Like this is a no. challenging game. This is not a regular four seed they're going to see on Saturday. Right. So, uh, yeah, it should be a fun weekend in Greenville. You get past that one, you're going to face the winner of Notre Dame, Maryland, which will be another challenge. Um, I mean, everything is from this point forward. Pretty much this is crunched him. Yeah, no easy games at this point. Uh, you, you did beat Maryland in the regular season. That'd be another rematch. Um, and then Notre Dame, I think they're going to run out of luck here, no pun intended. Um, just so many injuries. But we'll see what happens, you know. They've gotten this far with the injuries, so it should be interesting. And then lastly, and sorry for the the quickness here, but I, like we said, we got kind of a busy weekend coming up, so we're just trying to get everything in real quick. Um, baseball, uh, the on the diamond, won their first SEC series last week, swept Georgia. First game was really close, needed some late inning heroics there, um, and then they run ruled Georgia on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I've I covered Saturday, Sunday, but did you have any takeaways from that series? Uh, I think it kind of goes back to what we've talked about with this team, that they're going to get better as the weekend goes on. In a lot of cases, there's pitching depth. You can see that once South Carolina wins that first game, they beat Georgia's ace, get a big hit from Michael Braswell in the ninth inning. That was a great moment for him after not playing a lot so far this year. Once that happened, Georgia's cooked. Um, I know other SEC teams will have pitching depth to stack up with South Carolina, but not many of them. I mean, there's not a lot of teams that would be able to throw out what they could throw out in a Saturday game, in a Sunday game. Um, and you saw that again. You saw that in the Clemson series. You saw it last weekend. I think you're going to see it again this weekend against Mizzou, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, that was kind of my takeaway, that and the Braswell hit, just that they're going to they're gonna get better as the weekend goes on, I think, throughout the year. Definitely. I think uh, you feel pretty confident going into um... – pretty much every Sunday uh, throughout the whole season as far as your pitching depth goes. Um, one thing that kind of st still gives me some pause is Will Sanders still doesn't yeah. seem like he's like to his top form yet. Yeah, it's, really uh, there, but. it's interesting. Mark Kingston actually, I'm pulling it up now, had a, someone asked him about that yesterday. Um, and Will Sanders will pitch again tonight. He's your scheduled. He's it's Friday. He's your scheduled starter tonight um against missouri uh kingston said will sanders is still getting back to his peak form there's no concern there but the concern would be if he was already at peak form so they still think he has another year to go up um i mean i think so too i think anyone i think we've all that. seen that past year right. um but you're still it's not that he's giving up a lot of hits he is mostly controlling the lineups but the ones he's giving up are going far i mean i think it was pretty comfortable last saturday or friday or no, it was Saturday. They had the rain out Friday. Um, I think he had a 3-1 lead in the sixth, kind of cruising, two-run homer, so now the game's tied. Like, I guess it's just limiting those one-two mistakes, but when you're a Friday starter and you're facing the other team's ace, which he is going to be pretty much every week, you can't really have a lot of those. I 
think you're still waiting for that mistake-free, or mostly mistake-free. You're not going to be perfect. Uh, Will Sanders start. He'll get another chance to do that tonight against Mizzou. No, I just want to see him be more dominant. He's yeah. not. He's certainly not been a bad pitcher. He's. He's. He. There's no uh, part of me that thinks he needs to be benched or anything like that. It's just, um, yeah, haven't seen him have that dominant outing, which he had several times to lead off the weekend last season. Um, if we're thinking back to last year, um, Will Sanders had a very. <laughs> This this series last year, um, and speaking of Will Sanders, the the second game I believe on Saturday last year um, was very indicative of how South Carolina's entire season went. So, uh, pitched I think a scoreless five innings or maybe one score five innings. Uh, get when he leaves, South Carolina's up like three to one or three to nothing. Uh, South Carolina goes up five to one, even, uh, in the next inning or two, but then the pitching just completely breaks down. And I did see some encouraging signs last Friday where you had Jerzen Beck come in and kind of close things out against Georgia. Now, granted he had his own, uh, that he started Tuesday, right? He did start the big week. Yeah. Really just yeah. one bad inning. Wasn't even a bad, just one bad inning. Which is going to happen. He's a freshman or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think we are, one of the most encouraging things I saw from last weekend was that when they needed the depth uh, at, in the pitching room, especially on Friday, uh, that it came through. Um, and that was something that time and again last season just didn't happen. Yeah, and it, it, it occurred to me too, and again, knock on wood, this is week six of the college baseball season. So you're coming up on a half in a 14-series schedule. They've had the same weekend rotation six weeks in a row now. That yeah. was completely not the case last year, not even a little bit. Um, it's been Sanders Hall Mahoney all three days, all six weeks now. This is week six. It's just, just shows how different it is. And we talked about they really have a fourth guy in Hicks that they could plug in at any point that they need to, but they haven't yeah. even needed to at this point. Yeah. Um, Missouri is dangerous. Uh, they swept Tennessee, who was picked to win the win the league before the season uh, last season or last week. Uh, they are ranked. Um, it's going to be a a step up from Georgia, but uh, I think a gradual step up. I don't think it's. It's not LSU. It's not anything. Vanderbilt. It's not that April schedule. But yeah, it is. It's a challenge for sure. So, um, you know, I think you take two out of three this weekend. You're feeling pretty good. You're sitting at two losses with a third of the schedule gone. Um, you, be five and one in the league at that point. Right. Exactly. Um, by the way, South Carolina is ranked number 11 in yes. D1 baseball right now. And Missouri um, is 22. And they're, they're as high as, like, number four or five in some of the polls. There's so many polls in college yeah. baseball. I try to stick with the D1 one. I think that's kind no, of the main one people use, but um, they're usually pretty good over there. But, yeah, number 11 right now. And got a chance to probably, if you take this series this weekend, move them to the top 10, which Are I'm you, trying to think the last time that happened. Was uh, it, Were they top 10 early in 21? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know if they've been that high since Kingston's been here. Um, I, I think you take two out of three. They're going to take two out of three this weekend. I think Mizzou's tough. Um, they've shown that. I mean, they swept Tennessee last weekend. Um, I don't, again, I don't think they have the pitching depth, but they definitely have a pretty good lineup. It's going to be a test for Will Sanders tonight. Um, I think especially you get maybe you split these first two. And as I think we're going to see a lot this year, you get to Sunday, you win that rubber match and you take the series at home. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what my prediction is, too. Uh, it won't surprise me if they lose tonight, if Will Sanders is still kind of, you know, above average instead of great or whatever you want to say. Right. Um, but uh, I think as the weekend wears on, like we said, 
through against most teams that aren't LSU, Vanderbilt, whatever, uh, they're going to be able to stack up. And it, even against those teams, I think they're – That's the stretch you look at. I mean, yeah. We'll talk about it closer, but it's that three-week stretch in April where you get LSU, Vanderbilt, Florida, three weekends in a row. And you're trying to stack as many – put as many wins in the bank before that, and that starts to – or continues this weekend. Um, another quick note on baseball coming out of the Georgia series, Ethan Petrie was named SEC – or Petrie? Petrie? Petrie. Uh, was named SEC Freshman of the Week. Uh, Well-deserved. He had, what, two home runs last weekend um, yeah. and some really clutch hitting. But as we've seen throughout it, like especially you run rule Georgia twice, um, but the home runs have been kind of spread around. Um, I don't know what the total from last weekend was it, off the top of my head. 56, but. I think, is where it's at for the season now, which they hit 58 all of last year, <laughs> yeah. which is insane to think about. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about our concerns that it's still feast or famine, but uh, they're feasting at a rate that's, you know, on a whole other level than last year. So even though um, it is a little concerning that they had so many strikeouts on Tuesday against Charlotte um, and that they still have been striking out at a reasonable reasonable clip throughout the season, um, they're getting a lot more power for the trade-off, I guess, than they were last yeah. year. And that's, I wouldn't spend a quick, I wouldn't care too much about the, not care, but worry too much about the Charlotte thing. There's 14 midweeks in the year. You're not going to win them all. You, you finish the year 12 and two, 11 and three midweeks, 13 and one still on the table. As long as you take care of business on the weekends, I don't think anyone's going to point to a midweek in Charlotte. Just don't make it a habit is all I would say about losing midweeks like last year, but it is going to happen now and then. And I wouldn't be too concerned about it. No, it happens. And and Charlotte, I think, is feeling themselves a little bit um, as far as their own team momentum's going. They beat Louisiana Lafayette. I think they swept Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. Is it Louisiana Lafayette? Mm-hmm. Um, last season, or last week, um, and that was the team that was picked to win that conference. Um, so even though Charlotte's record doesn't look very good, I think they were like 6-13 and 13 or something coming into Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, they're playing their best baseball through this stretch right now. So Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's Missouri this week. And then the Citadel is the midweek, I believe, next week, which is probably going to happen before we're back on this podcast. Yeah. So um, some some big time games coming up this weekend for women's basketball and baseball. Uh, so enjoy it. You know, weather's starting to turn around a little bit. Uh, if you're in Columbia, get out there to the ballpark. I think they're calling for a couple showers on Saturday, but I don't think – so bad that you're not going to get the game in or anything like that. Um, it's supposed to be beautiful tonight. It's going to be like supposed to be in the 60s. There's, I think I saw a 5% chance of rain. Um, so yeah, if you're in Columbia tonight and you want to watch Will Sanders pitch, seems like the weather's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And then those of you that are heading to the upstate, uh, safe travels and enjoy some basketball this weekend. We will come back here next week and kind of break down everything that happened. Hopefully, uh, be previewing a trip to Dallas for women's basketball and, uh, yeah, until next time, this has been the GameCocksGroup.com podcast. We'll see you.